A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Transformative Experts. I'm your host, Chris Elias, and I'm here with um, an outstanding executive and business coach, Mary Walter. Good morning, Mary. How are you? Good morning, Chris. I'm very happy to be here. So um, you're you're out in California. Tell me, what's been going on? You guys have been uh, dealing with wildfires and all kinds of stuff out there. Yes. You know, I'm looking out my window right now, and I see a smoky fog that's just descended upon our meadow outside of my house. So I live in Truckee, about 15 minutes uh, from Lake Tahoe, beautiful part of the country. But unfortunately, most of California is experiencing lots of wildfires right now. In fact, we had one yesterday that was up to 908,000 acres had burned um, oh very gosh. quickly. So uh, really difficult for those people that are evacuating, have lost their homes, lives have been put at risk. So it's been a pretty scary time for many communities. And um, with the smoke all over California, it's descended. Are any of them really close to you? Or are you still you know, some safe distance? Yeah, we're pretty safe. Um, every once in a while, I get an alert on my phone that says, pack your bag and be ready to go and have your car facing out, which is a little bit unnerving. But right now, uh, at least Truckee Tahoe has been safe uh, this season so far. I can't say that for everybody else in California. And of course, our thoughts are with with them and yeah, so thankful yeah. for all the firefighters that have really put themselves at risk and have been working around the clock to put some of these out. I just saw one of these fires have been burning for over a month. Oh so it's just amazing the firefighters have been working so hard to take care of this for the people of the state. Yeah, these are these are some amazing people do the work and you know the fires are, are so bad. I saw an article recently that said this, you know, the smoke can be seen and detected in Iceland and um, England and I mean it's it's it, you know these kind of events affect the whole world at some point especially from a climate standpoint. So hopefully they can get it under control. Um, and yeah, our, our thoughts and, and best wishes go out to everyone. Um, hopefully hopefully this can get under control soon and we can get back a little bit to normal in California. Uh, but that's not why we're here. Uh, we're, we're here. We're here to talk business. And, um, and you know, I, you have such a, such a, a kind of a cool history of getting to where you are today. And, you know, the, the services that you provide are, are required by so many companies. And yet, one of the things I bump into quite a bit, I, I bump into a lot of, um, uh, let's call them unqualified or, or or coaches that aren't really up to the task, but are out there calling themselves coaches. And um, you come from a you come from a background kind of like I do with a lot of experience and um, bring a lot of credibility. Uh, I'd love it if you would share some of your history and um, how did, how did you get to where you are today and and, and ultimately get to the world of becoming a, a an executive coach? Thank you. Yes, Chris, I'd love to talk to you about that. So. You know, I've spent my career as a retail dog, so I spent about 25 years in retail. Out of college, um, I worked in the department store industry for a couple of years, and then I went to Target, and I was at Target. It was so long ago that when I joined Target, Kmart was beating Target, which is hard to imagine today. Um, but I was also there at a really important time, which is when the company strategically had positioned itself with a focus on service and people, most importantly, teams, uh, individuals 
individuals, development, growth, as well as process and execution. And so I was so fortunate to be there during that time because that really informed the rest of my career and gave me a very solid understanding of people and leadership. And the company invested very heavily in that growth for all of us. So I'm so fortunate to have had that time. I worked my way up at Target. I worked in stores. I started as an assistant store manager. By the time I left, I was a vice president of operations for Target out of Minneapolis headquarters. And then we went to back to California where I'm from and uh, I had a son. So I wanted him to know his family. And I spent a couple of years in specialty at Gap and then spent nine years at Ross stores, leading the stores organization nationally, where I had about 50,000 employees, big organization and growing. Um, And it was a terrific opportunity to transform that organization and to really bring process execution and most importantly, a focus on people, development, uh, cohesion, collaboration, um, and really top talent, um, joining our team and top talent being developed. And so terrific experience at Ross. Um, And when I was at Ross, I had never used coaches prior in my career. I always thought it was a leader's job to develop people and to grow them and to ensure that they had a solid development plan, they were achieving their goals, and that their dreams were becoming real for them. What I found once I was in an organization like Ross is we were growing so fast that I had a need to accelerate people's development. And so I hired some coaches at that point. And what I found was some of those coaches were extremely effective and really served to help people grow far quicker than I could have done just with our resources internally. And their bosses, by the way, in in a growth company are very busy. Uh, So, you know, having a coach from the outside allowed them to focus on other things while they're still working with their team member, but it just allowed us to do it faster. The other thing I found, however, was that some of those coaches had no real experience, particularly at the senior leadership level. And so I started to hear from some of my members that were my clients, my team members that were getting coaches that they were a bit frustrated because they would have to explain to their coach how things worked and they weren't able to get the level of advice and guidance that they needed. And so that led me to realize that there was an opportunity for great coaches who had had senior level experience. And that was something that I felt I could do. So about five years ago, I started my own business and I now provide executive and leadership coaching to individuals. And I also do team effectiveness work where we take senior executive teams and support them to be more cohesive and collaborative and to work better together. Wow, that's great. And, you know, and so so many different questions come to mind um, based on what you said. I, I, I want to go down a number of different paths with you. Um, you know, one of the things you just said um, a few minutes ago is that, you know, you always believe that a leader's main duty is to develop their people. I actually, I, I operate from that philosophy as well. Um, but there are times when there's no time. Uh, but given that, it, it still doesn't absolve them from the, the, the requirement as a leader, does it? I mean, you know, if, if they're really leading their people, they still have to be in charge of the development. Absolutely. I agree with you. And and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I don't want to lose that. 
I think as a boss, you're still guiding, you're still following up. In fact, what I do as a coach is I have a very close relationship with the boss. So in fact, yesterday I was talking to uh, a leader of one of the people that I coach and we were talking about, get, I'm getting his feedback. What is he seeing? Is he seeing the level of growth that he would want to see? And, and what I'm seeing, is it really happening in reality? Um, and then I'm giving him things to check in on. So for instance, uh, this, client of mine has budget meetings coming up and we've talked about that he's going to demonstrate showing up um, with a different level of command presence. He's going to handle objections a little bit differently and be more open to criticism at the same time standing his ground when he needs to. So I asked his boss to watch out during those budget meetings and if he sees that behavior to help reinforce it. So it's truly a partnership. So he hasn't abdicated his role of developing people. However, what he's what he has in me is somebody who's able to spend a little more of a deep dive on particular behaviors in a way that he just doesn't have quite that much time to do it. Um, he even said to me yesterday, that's one less thing that I have to worry about that, you know, knowing that you kind of have my back and that you're helping develop him and then he's helping as well. So it's really a partnership. Um, so you're right. It does not abdicate the leader's role in developing, supporting, encouraging all those behaviors. But a coach can get sometimes a little bit deeper than a boss may have time to. The other thing that I think a coach can do is uh, we all have a little bit of our guard up with our boss. I mean, it's just reality. Yeah, I, I yeah. think you'd be kind of crazy if you didn't. Right. And so with a with a coach, you're able to let that down and be a little bit more vulnerable and be a little bit more honest if there's something you're struggling with. Um, if there's a place you're stuck. And so that level of transparency I've found is very helpful to have a coach because that's where you get true growth happening. Yeah. And, and that partnership is, is, I think it's, it's essential, you know, and it's what, when you're trying to develop someone, there's got to be a multi-pronged approach sometimes. I mean, sometimes development's simple. It's, you know, oh, they need to learn these skills. We can put them in some classes and whatever, and we'll, we'll get them from where they are today to, to someplace tomorrow. Uh, other times when it, especially when it's developing true managerial or leadership skills, um, there's probably multiple sources of development that need to go on. Certainly the leader should be mentoring that person. And, and you know, in my world, the diff there's a difference between a mentor and a, a coach, and leaders should mentor their people. Um, we should be identifying educational resources that they can they can utilize. But that third structure, kind of the third leg of the school stool of having somebody um, really there that that can be a confidant for them, mm -hmm. and that can that they can offer some solid advice is important. Now you know we've used that word advice I think a couple of times, and I remember when when I first left uh, when I first left Big Boy, and uh, you know. Prior to that, I actually I had worked with um, with with a guy named uh, Thomas Leonard, and then there was a coach here locally that I worked with who was very very good as well, and um, and I learned a lot about the the coaching world, um, you know, and I, I came across this thing called the International Coach Federation, and uh, you know during those days, you know, we're talking, you know. 2000, 2002, you know, the concept of coaching was becoming more mainstream in the business world and even personal coaching was, was popping up. And, and there was a group that felt that we needed to somehow regulate um, what coaching is, define what coaching is. And there were a lot of psychologists involved and all of that stuff, and they're trying to figure it out. And, um, and you know, they've done some good things and they've done some things I don't necessarily agree with. I mean, part of the problem, I think, is um, 
you know, that they've, they created a, a, a structure that by definition, by their definition, a coach is somebody who never gives advice. They only give a structure and they only ask questions. And what that does is that allows anybody to go get certified. Any, you know, kind of anybody can really go and take the classes, take the hours, pass the test, get certified, coach a few people, and all of a sudden they have three initials after their name. But in the business world, that's a little different. I mean, you, that, those structures don't always work. So uh, tell me about some of the experiences you had. Did you ever consider getting that certification? Uh, I did. And I'm, I'm so glad to have this conversation because I've really come through the years that I've been running my business to have a different perspective and, and also a perspective on what I bring that's a little more unique. And somebody like you, Chris, the same, that has significant business experience that informs the work. And while still grounded in the neuroscience, while still grounded in the leadership competencies, but understands the business realities. I mean, the reality is if, if I'm coaching somebody uh, it is a business coaching opportunity. I'm not coaching you to play basketball. I'm not coaching you to be a better father. I'm coaching you for business. And so we ought to see results in that coaching that affect the business directly. If we don't, then I'm not doing my job and I don't know why you would invest. Yeah. So I think there, there has to be grounded in kind of the realities of business. The other thing I've found from a uh, coaching standpoint is that about 50% of growth is getting insight. About half of the work of growing and changing is seeing it. And that's actually pretty heavy lifting sometimes because we all have blind spots or something we're missing. And so the coach can serve, there's this language of being an external disruptor and it's a neuroscience concept that, you know, what having someone outside of you, I say something, my neuroscience kind of triggers and says, oh, now I, I'm disrupted in my thinking. I've been thinking in these patterns now I say it out loud. You ask me a question. I'm a bit disrupted. Sometimes that can lead to in significant insight. But to your point, that's not the whole path. So insight, 50%. Great. Now what? And so I think if you are unwilling or unable to give advice or to help provide some guidance or tools or tactics, you're only going to get half the growth that you could. So I think that's what's missing in some of those formulas. But the question is, is, what if they don't know how? So sometimes we can get insight. We can say, boy, I need to be a better communicator or I need to do uh, my time management is right. And I can see that I'm spinning my wheels. But what if you don't know how to fix it? And so I think it's um, really coaches have an obligation if you do this work right to be able to do both to lead people to self-reflection and to insight and to ask the right questions so that there can be some discovery there. But if you're stuck, I think letting somebody just hang and not have the answer to me feels um, like you're not really doing your job, you know? And I think that's where you see some big unlocks. So once somebody has insight and then you give them answers, uh, you know, just, just this week I had a client who uh, was going into some meetings and, I mentioned earlier had seen feedback as a little bit of an attack. And so when he would be in a meeting and would be challenged, he felt he was being highly criticized and attacked. And so we talked about, okay, so now he has insight. He understands that's happening and it's holding him back. Yeah, yeah. And so what is he going to do? And so his answer was, well, I'll breathe. And that's a good answer. You know, it's good to take a pause, but what else? And that's, you know, so he didn't have tactics. So we talked about some other tactics. So for instance, saying to someone, I hear that, that you're, this point is bothering you. Can you tell me what you're seeing that I'm missing? So, or 
tell me what you're suggesting. So having some kind of scripts and language to get you out of that spot um, and to get you to a better place. Now, I could have just not shared that with him and let him only go as far as breathing, but that wouldn't have been very kind, I don't think, <laughs> to let somebody not have all the tools and tactics that could be at their disposal. Yeah, yeah, I remember, um, you know, uh, Thomas, for those for those who may not know or have never heard of Thomas Leonard, um, arguably is one of the founders of the concept of business coaching. I mean, going way back, um, I think to the late 80s is kind of when he started, when he coined the term and started doing a lot of that work. But but I can remember a conversation with him actually just before he passed away. He, he made the comment, he said, you know, he said, I wonder if in the business world we need a word other than coach to describe what we do. He said, because he said, yeah, you know, it's, it's really important to ask questions and asking questions and giving somebody just discovery. If they can come to the answer, that's a wonderful learning. But at the same time, you know those times in business when that person cannot come to the answer. They just don't have the experience. And I can ask them questions till you know our faces are blue and they're not going to get there. And am I going to just keep doing that? Or at what point do I actually give them advice and say, maybe here's what we should do. You know, we should we should go down this path and let's try this. Or, you know, here's my experience. And um and I and I thought that that was really powerful. Um it was a way of thinking. So so we'll we'll come back in a minute. We 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 we're already up to our first break. It goes so fast. Um let's let's take a couple minutes when we come back we'll continue this conversation with mary walker follow us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn it is possible to have the career you want Those who know how to manage their careers advance more quickly and have more opportunities. Listen for Career Central with host Lorraine Beeman to discover how to be successful in your current job or move into a new one. Tune in Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back with Mary Walter. Mary, um, you know, a great conversation that we're having. And, um, and I, I, I want to stay on this path just a, just a, a few more minutes uh, before we shift gears. But, you know, another thing that I've experienced, so I, I've had a, a number of times when we've been kind of pitching some client work and, you know, and I'll get, well, you know, the other guy has a certification or this or that, or sometimes uh, they will have had an experience with somebody. I've had situations where they've hired somebody who called themselves a, a business coach. They were really kind of a life coach. And 
you know, they spend all their time diving into somebody's past and trying to diagnose and trying to understand, oh, this is, this is why you do this. This is the problem that you've had, and this is what's occurred, you know, and these are the things in your past that do it. And, you know, from my standpoint, where are you crossing the line into practicing psychology without a license versus actually trying to, to coach somebody? And, and how do you bridge that gap? Have you ever had those experiences, and, and what are your thoughts on it? Yes. Yeah, you're right. I think so. First going to uh, how do you choose a coach and is certification important? I mean, I think it is important to understand somebody's track record and success and experience and, you know, what they bring and why. But I obviously, as somebody who didn't go through that ICF uh, certification, I because I have a different approach, I think there are many ways to be successful. And so I think asking that question is important. I think the other thing is uh, that's a great way to look at for coaches. What do their clients say? Uh, I think you and I both have many clients that have signed with us over and over again and have seen tremendous value. So I think asking, what are your clients saying? Um, and get some feedback and, and reinforcement there is, is really important because that can say a lot about how effective you are. One of my uh, coaching clients who's re-signed with me a number of times had had a not great coaching experience prior to me. And what she found was that her coach, every time they'd get on the phone, the coach would be say, hey, how's it going? What do you want to talk about today? And then it would just be sort of like a listening partner, which can be helpful. I mean, sometimes it's helpful to say things out loud and to, and to drive. Um, however, that tends to not be my approach with most of my clients. I tend to be flexible. Some of my clients are just having the reflection time is very helpful. But sometimes people need some accountability and they need some guidance. And if I can see the opportunity, I'll make sure we have a plan and that we're going after it and there's some accountability. It's hard to start new habits and to change your behavior. So a good coach should help you to do that that, um, by keeping you on track and by adding a little bit of accountability that'll help you develop those new behaviors that you're starting to get. One of my clients, when I was uh, engaging with them said, you know, I know you're, you're very kind and I know you have terrific experience. I want to make sure you'll be tough enough on me. (laughs) And of course, what's great is he hasn't had to worry about that. So we have a very good relationship and, and, you know, he says that he knows that if I see something, um, that he's missing, that I'll point it out to him and we'll have a discussion. So I think knowing what you want and being careful that it's not just about getting support. I I think a good coach can be very supportive. There's uh, this great highlight reel of Steve Kerr, who's the coach of the Golden State Warriors, and um, him providing feedback to Steph Curry, who's a star of the team. So Steph Curry's so incredibly talented. You think, how could you even coach this person? I mean, he's so exceptional. And there's this wonderful highlight reel on the floor during games of Steve Kerr just propping uh, Steph up when he's down and, and reminding him of all the times he's been great and how talented he is and how much Steve admires him. And I just think that's a wonderful coaching moment because sometimes you need somebody to remind you that you are strong, that you're doing great work, um, that you've done this before and you're going to do it again. So I think that is sometimes really, really important. And it's an important part of coaching. And also in that same vein of support is learning and reinforcing those wins. What did you learn? And then let's do that again. So in other words, I think it's coaching. There's a lot at play here and being real clear about what you're looking for in a coach um, and being clear about what level of experience has this person led a large team? Has this person delivered great business results? Um, If not, why would you want them to coach you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, You know, 
one of the one of the things I can I can remember um, before I, I picked up this uh, this one client, you know, oftentimes because in business, you know, we're we're bid, we're bidding larger clients, larger projects, and you know they're they're going to talk to a few. They're not going to just oh hey you know I heard your name let's I want to hire you. They're they're talking to a few people, whether they tell you that or not. I mean that's just that's that's what I would do. I right. mean that's 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 what's smart. And um, I you know I had this 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 one. Uh, this one prospect say to me said, you know, um, you're up against some pretty tough competition. And I said, yeah, there's, there are some really good people out there and, and, you know, kind of what we do. So I, I use the word advisor often as opposed to coach, because, you know, I think we take on a different role, especially at the CEO and president level as, as, me as too. you're aware. Yeah. And, and I said, listen, I said, when selecting a coach, the most essential thing you can do is one, be clear about what you need, which is obviously what you just said. And two, um, find out if they bring the experience. You know, do you want somebody who has walked the path before you? Do you want somebody who has sat in the chair, you know, that can that can truly empathize with where you're at and guide you and be there to, to, to kick you in the butt and to laugh and to cry and all those kind of things? Or do you want somebody who just brings maybe just some structure that they learned and that's it? I said, and if it's the latter, that's okay too, but be clear about what you're looking for. Then check with everybody you're, you're interviewing. Be really, really clear and understand what are their experience, what do they bring, all things being equal, then pick the one you like, the one that you've got the most chemistry with. And it was it was funny because, you know, I I figured, okay, well that that's it. I'm not gonna hear from him. Two weeks later I get a call from the guy. He's like, Okay, we wanna we wanna go with you. And I said, Great. And I never brought anything up, but but the end of our first session, he said, Boy, I'm I'm so glad we work with you. That the other guy, you know, I asked him the question and he you know, the biggest job he had ever had was, was just, you know, a sales clerk kind of job. And he went out and got certified and, um, and realized that, you know, here I am, I'm facing, you know, uh, trying to build a company, you know, he's got this, this particular company, I think he had 1500 employees and, and he, he's trying to grow. And he said, you know, we're, we're facing a layoff and if some other things, and how can anybody who's never done that empathize with me? And I think that that's really essential. So certification or not, there's some great certified coaches. I don't want to knock that, but I think it's really essential that you know what you're getting before you, before you sign on. It's such a really good point. I, I love it. And I think chemistry is really important. And also to your point, what is your goal? I think being really clear going in, here's why I'm going to spend, it's a huge time investment. You know, here's why I'm going to spend the time and money. What is it you're trying to get out of this? Um, are you just looking for a, some reflection time and a sympathetic ear? That's fine. Uh, but perhaps you're looking to grow some skills very quickly. And so if so, you know, do you have the right person to do that? The other thing that what you're saying sparks for me, Chris, is I find sometimes as a coach, part of your value is that you're not in the company, you're not in the day-to-day -day with people. And so I'm able to look back and have a, a bit of a broader view. And I think part of what allows me to do that is my experience. So I find myself saying often, let's talk about your board relationships. Um, let's talk about how that's going. Tell me about the last conversation you had with the board. Well, you know, if, again, if we go back to that prior example, my um, client's previous coach, if I was just saying, tell me what you want to think, what you feel like talking about, we might not ever get there because there are things that you as a business leader may be not seeing because you're so focused on what's in front of you. And a, co a good coach can help you raise your vision and see where there could be opportunity for you from a career standpoint, um, from a relationship standpoint, from a strategy standpoint that you could be missing just by asking those questions and making sure that you're seeing all of it. Yeah, they're, they're really, you know, 
people have tried to turn it into science, but it really, there is some art. And as with any art, it takes a lot of practice. I mean, you know, um, Rembrandt didn't become Rembrandt the first time he picked up a brush, right? And, um, you know, you, you mentioned the, the example with, um, with Coach Kerr and, and Stephen Curry. And um, knowing what to do in that moment comes from a lot of trial and error throughout lifetime, doesn't it? Right. Right. Yeah. You're right. And, and, and we have to be able to develop that art and coaches need to be, I think, nimble and on their feet and on their toes. And, and you kind of, you have to be a chameleon in a way you, you have to, you have to be able to, to recognize who you're working with and what they need most in the moment. Because I'm also sure that there have been times when he's had to not just lift stuffing up, but probably had to kick him in the butt a few times. Right. right? That's exactly right. I meant to say that. And I, I, I left it out. You're exactly right. That I'm sure when Steve Kerr sees that Steph could do something better, he doesn't keep his mouth shut. I mean, that highlight reel was on the positives, but you know, when they're in practice, if he could do something better, you know that he's telling them. Yeah. And, and giving them that safe zone so that you guys can talk openly and candidly is, is essential. Um, you know, I, so I, I, I kind of want to go down a couple different paths with you too. So something that, that popped up in my head a little while ago when we were talking was, was odd requests. Um, I, I, I can think of, of a couple of, um, well, how should I put this? Uh, things that I've been asked to do that I wouldn't do. With, with, with my coaching from, from a leader or oh, somebody looking to hire, right? Uh, well, okay. So, so one, I, I can think of a number of times when I've gotten a call from somebody who's heard about me and, and, and they, they're like, well, we've got this guy. We, we want you to coach him out of the organization. <laughs> yeah, that's not my job, buddy. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't care how much you want to pay me. That's not my job. You know, man up and, and, and coach right. the person yourself out of the organization. Um, yeah. Or or probably more common, um, you know, when, when coaching is, is they, they, you know that the person's kind of on their last legs and they're hiring you to, or trying to hire you to, to try to coach this person to turn them around when it's a lost cause or, or they're just looking to check that box to say they've tried everything, right? So that for their HR, they right. can do that. Um, and I tend to just, I, those are the things I don't, I don't want to do that. I, my, my whole thing is like, you want to get rid of the person, get rid of the person. Don't, don't waste my time. Don't waste their time. It's unfair. It's disingenuous. Um, I've had those experiences. I'm kind of curious, you know, I'd love to hear, have you had that experience or, or and, and any other weird or odd requests from a leader and trying to coach somebody, you know, what, what was the strangest thing you've ever had to do? So I, you know, share some fun stories. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I'll try and think of some fun ones, but you're, you're right. I have had occasionally people who are in trouble and that's why they're being engaged. And I think you're right. There's a little bit of kind of cover your butt there from the, either the HR team or from uh, the leader themselves. Uh, what's kind of sad is I'll, I'll share with you when I was on the inside of an organization, uh, a couple of people had been engaged to, to be coached who were problem performers, by the way, not my people. So I never think it's a good investment. If you have somebody who's really struggling and you suspect they shouldn't be with the organization to invest in coaching, uh, coaching is fairly expensive. So I think that, you know, you are making that investment because you have a high potential that you want to accelerate their growth. So I did have, was in an organization though one time inside and the CEO had said, oh, I don't like that coach because they coached two people and they didn't make it. And we ended up having to fire them. Well, I knew both those people were on 
basically on performance review and were about to be fired. And then they engaged a coach and he wasn't able to magically fix that. So I think, you know, a coach ain't magic, right? Like there's all, you can help somebody to get a lot, lot better. Um, but you know, there's, you cannot fix anything, you know, magically all the time. So I, I agree. I think you, investing in coaching ought to be done because you're trying to accelerate your own or someone else's career and that they have potential to grow and to get better. Um, I'm trying to think of anything funny that's kind of funny experiences or things. I mean, I've, I think I've gone to some really interesting places coaching. Um, I've got to go to Florida. I've spent time in West Virginia. I haven't traveled internationally yet. Um, I'm looking forward to doing that sometime. So uh, some of those experiences have been really fun to kind of get to see different parts of the world and travel around. Uh, some of my favorite coaching experiences have been today we're doing it all on Zoom because we're in the time of COVID. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'm not traveling. But when I was, it would be really interesting sometimes to be able to go and participate in meetings. Um, I've also having a background in retail. Uh, another thing that that gave me as a coach is occasionally I will coach somebody who's leading a stores organization or a or marketing organization retail. And we'll go spend time in the field, and I think that's really both fun um, and enlightening to me as the coach, and very helpful to them. So I think that's been kind of a fun part of the job as well. Yeah, you, you said something. You know, you you said cover your butt coaching, and and it made me think. You know, oh, you know, that sounds like a great company name. Let's let's start up. It, let's let's start up a coaching company. Co cover your butt coaching, all with the purpose of helping HR teams check their boxes. You could probably make a lot of money doing that. Um, you know, just just to keep them legal. Of course, I don't know what the risk would be on our side, but uh, but we'd have to get really good insurance. That's for sure, because we'd be spending all our time in depositions. <laughs> I think yeah. it, it does lead me to think about though one one thing I think for anyone listening that is interested in getting a coach is that um, I've found out a number of things since I've been coaching and since I was a senior leader. One of them is most organizations pay for coaching, and most people in those organizations don't know that. So I, it's been really interesting to me to find out that. Um, if you are someone that is trying to grow your career, if you want to accelerate your growth, uh, go talk to your boss and go talk to HR and get a coach. Uh, most organizations have a budget and they're paying for coaching. And I just find it's kind of a secret um, as to the fact that that's happening. And so I, I think that's one thing I've learned is there there is investment available for you and you should go out and get it. Um, so I, I think that's really interesting. And the other thing I found is if you're getting a new job, you should always negotiate a coach in your contract, always. So, you know, we know about 40% of executives fail coming from the outside when they're hired into a firm. So it's absolutely in the company's interest to get you a coach because you're far more likely to succeed. They can help with assimilation. They can help you identify problems before you get there. So I think when, if you get a new job, get a coach. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice. And, um, you know, so I want to pick up this thought when we come back. We're already up to our, our next co commercial break. So um, so we'll, we'll just take a, take another uh, minute or two, and we'll be back in Mary, with Mary in just a, um, just a couple minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. It is possible to have the career you want. Those who know how to manage their careers advance more quickly and have more opportunities. Listen for Career Central. 
with host Lorraine Beeman to discover how to be successful in your current job or move into a new one. Tune in Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back one last time with Mary Walter. Mary, so so we were just getting to a, a, a really important piece of this. Um, you know, leaders often can look at coaching as an expense as opposed to an investment. Yet, I think I always think that there's a pretty strong ROI from the utilization of a coach. What's been your experience? And what, what do you, you know, what would you say to that? Yeah, I, it's a great point. You know, one, one thing I think is true in people development in general is that it's a little bit of a hidden uh, investment uh, return. So you can't see it as clearly. Uh, so if someone, if a leader is engaged, uh, if they are developing great solutions, if their strategy is good, if they're able to motivate and inspire their team, how are you going to measure that? It's a little hidden. So smart CEOs can see that there's an opportunity there, but sometimes it's a little bit hard to quantify. Um, that said, I do think there are ways to quantify and to really demonstrate an ROI. Uh, one thing that I think one approach that I think is really true is creating an internal t- pipeline. So at senior levels, recruiting an external, as we said, first of all, the turnover and success rate, about 40% of those folks that we hire from the outside at the senior level don't make it. So that's an incredible cost to the company. Then you layer on recruiting costs and you layer on the time for them to get to know the business. So there's some significant, real hard costs associated with hiring externally. If, on the other hand, you have someone internal that you can develop and accelerate their development so they're able to be your pipeline, you've saved all of those costs. And you have the top side improvement because they understand the business and typically they're able to get results much more quickly, about six months faster. Um, In fact, just this last week on Friday, I had a client say to me, um, I'm so much happier and healthier, but even more important, I wouldn't have been promoted if I didn't have you as my coach. So there's significant savings to the company. You know, there's been some pretty good studies about it. Uh, Fortune magazine is has a study that shows that managers describe an average return of more than six times the cost of coaching. So there's real be- benefit to investing in coaching, um, particularly as you said, Chris. I don't, I don't think there's great benefit if you're investing in someone who's failing. There's great benefit if you're investing in somebody that has potential to do more with the company. 
Yeah, and, and back to quality of coach, you know, the the right coach with the right situation, the return can be very, very high. I mean, you know, there's there, there are plenty of stories where, you know, somebody is performing at an average level and then, you know, for years and then they go through a coaching process and next thing you know, their results have multiplied and, and they're more engaged, uh, you know engagement what's the you know what's the um, value of, of engaged employees versus disengaged I mean again a lot of these are soft in their intuition and if if you're a you know purely by the numbers person and have to see the hard evidence sometimes it's hard to see beforehand and there's there's always a risk involved but um, that, that return we've seen it so many times so many times um, you mentioned earlier you know, the, the fun about going and coaching in meetings, you know, most, most of the work we do is coaching. We, we work more with teams and executive teams and all that stuff. And if I'm coaching, I'm usually coaching a CEO or a president. I don't typically myself um, coach down into the organizations. We'll have other people. We bring in other people to, to, to do that. And that's mostly just because of time. Um, but there is really kind of um, a need for coaching in teams as well, isn't there? Oh, for sure. And I, and I think one thing that I found, the reason that I'm so passionate about teams. So first of all, you get such a return on that investment. Uh, so when I coach an individual, we see them improve. When I can coach a team of eight or 10 people and the entire team gets better, the business impact is unbelievable. I mean, it's just incredible. And the other thing I find is how help a team to be more cohesive, collaborative, and just happier together, it impacts everybody's work life. I think all of us have been on a team that sucked, (laughs) where there was tension, unproductive conflict, you know, you were kind of at war with your peers or positioning. Um, It's a terrible, who wants to go to work in that environment? It's awful. It really is. It just makes your work life terrible. So when you know that, you think, well, then what is engagement going to look like? What is retention going to look like people typically don't stick around when they're in that kind of environment so on the other side if you're able to take a team and help them be more collaborative and cohesive i just think there's tremendous business opportunity and i think that's changed actually over the last uh few years. So what's happened with technology and the pace of business has gotten incredibly fast. So now when you look at teams, especially at the senior level, everyone is highly specialized. So you really don't know. There's no way that you can have close to a deep understanding of what the chief technology officer is doing or what the CFO is doing behind the scenes um, or what the head marketing person is doing. And so that specialization means that if the company is going to move forward and if people have shared goals and objectives, you're going to have to be very collaborative. I think in days past, the pace wasn't quite as fast and there wasn't the technology kind of layered on top of it, what was driving innovation. So people could kind of remain in their silos a little bit more. I don't think that's the case today. Um, we're far more integrated and there's and things are moving so quickly. So if you don't check in and get ideas from your peers and help move together, I think you're missing tremendous business opportunity. Well, it's 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 like any it's like any team, right? You, you can we can always use the million sports analogies or anything like that. Um, a group of individuals operating as individuals never outperform a group of people operating as a single entity, as a single group. It's right. just, you know, it's it's you know, a team is the, it's a cliche. One plus one does equal three. 
in a team. Yes. <laughs> you know, this is just that power that's there. And yet, um, you know, there's all kinds of dysfunctions that occur. I mean, one of my favorite books, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Patrick Lencioni, you know, is the author and, and he really highlights some great stuff. And, and it's really, in order to have a high functioning team at the root of things, you've got to have underlying trust and the team has to be able to engage in, in conflict. You, you talked about negative conflict. There's also positive conflict, the debate, the arguing, but not at a personal level, but to, to get better. And there's a yin and yang that trust becomes absolutely essential. You know, uh, my experience is, is, is often the teams that we've worked with, usually when we start focusing on the team functions, it, it is on average 30% of the membership of those teams, if I look at our statistics, don't survive the process because they can't get there. Either they've got the wrong core values, they've got some behavioral issues, they just don't want to play, their egos are too big, whatever the case may be, they just can't get to where the team needs to be. So just by coaching a team is not, again, a guarantee of success. There also may be some hard decisions. And um, have you experienced that same thing? I absolutely have. And it's, I'm thinking of a team that I worked with uh, starting very late last year. And I'll tell you, my part, my business partner and I, we tend to, when we're going to work with a team, we do one-on-one interviews to get to know the team members themselves and identify what are the issues. Um, to your point, I totally agree with you on conflict. Productive conflict is a beautiful thing. I always think you want to come out of a meeting with surprises and it didn't go the way you thought because that means new ideas came up. If I went into a meeting as a business leader and I came out with the same idea I went in, why did we waste our time? So I think productive conflict is what gets you where you want to be. But anyway, this team that we were working with had one of the the biggest, the highest levels of unproductive conflict I've ever seen. (laughs) And my partner and I were kind of like, wow, I hope we can, you know, we, our confidence was shaking a little bit. Like, I hope we can do this. Uh, So we started working with this team. And I will say the one thing I haven't talked about yet is the leader. So the leader makes all the difference. And in fact, in our work with teams, we actually build into our plans that we'll stay with that leader for a few months after engagement. And most of our team engagements now last a whole year. So we'll come back multiple times, but supporting the leader is critical. So this leader said, I expect everyone to work together, to be respectful and to be open and transparent. By saying that he shifted the whole conversation. Now, he also had to deal with some performers that were not team players. So he did that as well. Today, it's not even, nine months later, people are saying already this is the best team they've ever been on. Yeah. So part of it, to your point, was team players, part of it was the boss, yeah. and then part of it was the tools we gave them to have, have better, more productive conversations and some rules that help them shape their behavior so they could be more collaborative. Well, those rules are essential too because um, I have watched leaders who really are trying. I'm not being critical, but they've enabled the bad behaviors. Yeah. And so, you know, one, one of the things we talk about is, is that if you allow, if you, if you control too much, um, over time, as much as you might want to try to push things down, people will wait for you. And they thus they delegate up the decision, right? Because it's a lot easier right. to be told what to do than to go out and think and do it, right? And, um, you know, I, 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 had a, uh, I had a group I was working with, this was maybe about a year ago. And I can remember when we got started, you know, the leader said, boy, you know, I just can't ever get them engaged. It seems like I always have to be the one to put the answer out. I said, okay, well, let's, let's just see what happens. And so we're sitting in the first meeting, we posed a few questions and I put a question out to the group and I just sat there and I let it get uncomfortably quiet. <laughs> and I coached the, the, the president. I said, no matter what happens, don't jump in here and it, just let it go. And then, then I kind of threw a little joke. I said, okay, this is the part where you talk. 
And they looked around at each other. They started <laughs> chuckling and somebody offered something. And all of a sudden we got into this really engaging conversation. And what had happened is, is the leader didn't realize, but over the, over time, because there was, uh, there was some discomfort with silence, the, the leader was not really allowing them to get in and had really kind of trained them, subconsciously trained them to just wait. Wait, and the leader will give the answer. And when that happens, the accountability is easy because the accountability is all on the leader. It's not on them, right? right? <laughs> uh, so, so it was just kind of a funny, uh, funny, funny story. But, but you know, let some silence work for you sometimes. Yeah, I love that's a brilliant story, Chris. I love it, and I think if there's one thing people took away from this uh, radio show, it would be let silence work for you. I mean, I just think that's a great comment, and it's so true. It's something I've really had to learn as both a leader and a coach because you want to push things forward and you don't want people to feel uncomfortable, but silence when you're both trying to influence and when you're trying to empower people and, and give them some space can be extremely important. It takes a while for us to process information. And sometimes as a leader, you're already there and you got to give people a minute to catch up and to step into that space. And to your point, um, not give them the answer. So in, in an entrepreneurial company where, you know, even if, even if there hasn't been a conscious behavioral process to, to bring people in of a certain type, you can have a lot of extroverts at, at leadership team level uh, just, just because. I mean, those are the two, you know, they, they tend to be more open. They, they seem to kind of crop up. And yet as you move into maybe some of the more scientific or, or other companies or maybe more corporations, you can get some introverts. What, what are some of the tactics you utilize to get the introverts in the conversation? Because it's really easy and we've all been there. Every one of us as listeners and participants, we've all been there when, when, when people, one or two or three people hijack the conversation and others just sit back. How, how, do, yeah. you, how do you get the, um, the introverts involved into the conversation? Well, I think it's a great question, and it's really informed by the research that's been out there on Teams. Uh, there's a terrific study by Google. It's titled Project Aristotle, and they came up with a number of uh, answers around what makes a great team. I would kind of summarize it. One of them was everyone participates, and everyone participates is critical given our earlier conversation. If you have a team of great uh, talent and intellect and specialists, you need everyone to participate. So the the answer I would have to that is so, different teams need different norms. I've been with teams where we need people to calm down their participation. <laughs> to your point, you can have some people that dominate and some teams, everybody's jumping in all the time and meetings take six hours. However, if you're a team where you're finding that you have this issue where some people are just not being heard, um, having a team norm or commitment that is explicit. I think one of the best things about team commitments is you're explicit. You don't have very many of them. You have a few. And if one of them is everyone participates, we've all agreed. We all know this is important. Then we can hold each other accountable. And not just the leader. The leader can then say, hey, Joe, I haven't heard from you, which is an important leadership role to play. But ideally, you want the peers to do that for each other. And self-policing, saying, I know we all committed that we'd all participate, so I need to speak up here. Yeah, yeah, no, ab absolutely, absolutely, wow. Um, okay, so uh, another question I always like to ask is, is toughest situation you found yourself in? So, so let's, let's go back in your career a um, little bit. So as you think about your different leadership roles at the corporations and, and what was building you up to be who you are, um, you know, share a share a learning experience that you had. You know, where where you made either a major mistake or or you wish you could if you could go back and do it differently. And how has that affected how you do things today? Such a great question. 
You know, uh, I think it's really funny because if I think about one of the challenging, most challenging roles I've had, it was way back when I was a store manager and I was a store manager at Target and I was running a store that was a disaster. It was very, very challenging. So there were external things that were driving, making that store very challenging. Um, We had some crime issues. We had some disruption in the community issues. Um, The physical building was terrible, but there were far more internal issues that were bad. So we had a team that was highly dysfunctional, um, that was extremely lack of trust, hurt each other, um, would, was extremely kind of clicky and then not the right talent. And so at that, why do I say that was my hardest point? I didn't know how to do it because I had never done it before. So that was the first time I'd ever been in a situation that was that kind of dark as a leader. You know, I mean, it was miserable. And so gaining this, I'm sorry, go ahead. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but did you have anybody mentoring you at that stage? Or did you just have to figure this out on your own? Well, it's interesting because I had a boss who was giving me direction and then I flipped to a different boss and um, and I was kind of working through it and trying to learn these skills about how to coach effectively to get this team better. And what, what my learning was my first boss, I liked her far better. <laughs> she was really supportive. She was kind. She was great. My second boss, I didn't like him so much, but actually he helped me fix it because what he identified for me is I didn't have the right people. And I just didn't have the experience at that point to realize that that was the case. Yeah. And so he helped me to upgrade my team. Once we did that, um, then my coaching skills kicked in and we turned it around and it became one of the best performing stores we had. So that was a long time ago. But what I learned from that was having a great team is everything. Dealing with poor performance quickly, really important. And kind of those coaching skills into driving business performance forward. So while it was such a smaller job in the scheme of the scope of my career, those lessons lessons really came, came with me through the rest of my career. And you know what? Um, I hate to say it, we're out of time, but what, what a great final thought to end the show on. If you it, really think about it, the importance of having really a great team and dealing with what you have to and having the support structures. You know, we, we've talked about it on every episode so far. You know, peop, the right people are essential. Mary, thank it's you everything. so much so much for your time today. We really appreciate uh, you being with us and um, I'd love to have you back on so we could go even deeper. I want to want to explore the team thing some more. So, so um, hopefully we can schedule another time to have you with us. Thank you, Chris. It was a joy. Thanks. Well, everyone, that's our show for this week. Um, tune in again and uh, we'll have some more great guests coming up and uh, look forward to being with you. Take care and have a great week. Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.